Welcome back, everyone, to the David's Rock podcast. David's Rock is dedicated to developing mentally tough Christians in order to better understand God's will in our life. I am pumped up to share this guest with y'all, an inspiration to me in faith and life every day, four-year starter at Watford College, SOCON basketball champion, ACC basketball champion at Virginia Tech, pro basketball player in Germany, my college roommate and great friend, Storm Murphy. What's up, bro? My guy, what's up? <laughs> Glad to be here. What's going on? How's Germany? It's been good. It's been super good. Um, adjustment was, wasn't was too bad. Um, there's a lot of similarities between Germany and the States. So um, love my teammates and just the, the city and, and everything. So uh, it's been super smooth. Well, bro, let's, let's just dive right in. The people need to hear. The people need to do it. So just to kind of start out, I'd love to hear a little bit about you, your childhood, maybe a little quick testimony. Did you grow up Christian? Just how do we get to the storm we have here today? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a, a fun, gosh, 23 years um, so far. But man, yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin, um, grew up in a Christian home, have a sister uh, who just recently got married. Um, yeah, great, great family. Um, grew up Christian. Um, went to Christian school, um, had that influence at a really, really young age. Um, but so I guess, I mean, I, I guess I always believed, always believed in God and, and, and had that uh, kind of as like the family faith, um, went to church all the time, you know, as a part of, uh, the Sunday school and all that. And, um, didn't take it too su super seriously. I think it was, it was almost normal. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, childhood was, was fun, was surrounded with a lot of great friends. Um, that I still have to through today. Um, and gosh, man, yeah, just a lot of a lot of childhood stuff, a lot of struggles, a lot of, um, you know, fun and um, relationship building and uh, just seeing the world. And um, I think a lot of great influence for my family. I think, I mean, man, that's a huge reason uh, and influence for my faith now is just my family and parents and grandparents and, um, you know, getting into high school. Um, it, you know, sports were huge for me. Sports were, you know, everything my, my focus and um you know i think uh, it was about my freshman year eighth grade freshman year a couple friends and i um you know we had like a youth group we're going um and you know saying all the right stuff singing all the right songs and, and doing the bible studies and all that but it did, it, we, we we started realizing like man is this is this really like what it's supposed to be you know we're halfway in and you know we're kind of there but uh, this faith thing uh, seems to be uh, more real than what we were experiencing. And so it started kind of clicking for us. And um, after our freshman year, uh, two friends of mine, Colton and Austin, uh, and I actually in different places, different times, but around the same month of August, uh, after our freshman year, uh, we all uh, kind of just came to Christ. And uh, he came to us, actually. And um, mine was at a, a camp called Canica Camp in Missouri. Uh, you know, go there and I just see people on fire for the Lord. I see people uh, just with this peace, this light, this joy that I, I thought I was a happy kid. I thought I was, you know, enjoying so, so much uh, of my life, but I see this, uh, this worship, um, you know, this offering, the sacrifice of their life uh, so joyfully that they're giving up and um, just to be in the presence in a real relationship, uh, to be best friends with Jesus. Uh, to really realize the gospel of what he's done for us. I think that was the biggest thing for me. So I, uh, man, yeah, God completely just uh, opened my eyes to see how beautiful he is and, um, and Jesus and the gospel. And um, so that kind of happened at the same time. Some of my friends in high school, we grew together, uh, you know, and we ended up starting leading the Bible study and the youth group and um, just, yeah, just grew 
grew with them and then, you know, got to college with you. And, uh, you know, we, we take on college uh, and um, gosh, as freshman and sophomores try to get plugged in and, um, you know, go through struggles, go through, grow through things with sports, right. Um, uh, start getting into like the real aspects of life. Um, and we're both still so young, but um, a lot of, a lot of growth and man, a lot of failure, I think uh, is a huge part of my testimony, you know, personally, just seeing so many times that I failed and, and run away or, uh, you know, not, um, not given everything that Jesus deserves. And, mm-hmm. uh, he's so faithful to just continue to, to bring me back and nudge me here and there and throw people in my life. And I think, I think people, people is the biggest thing, um, you know, that's really helped me, um, you know, the, the friendships and relationships that, you know, I've been able to have that, um, you know, inspire me, uh, encourage me, keep me accountable and, um, our great, uh, you know, place of, of influence both ways. hundred yeah, percent. So, yeah and i think i think your testimony is such a good reminder that that god uses the people around us to be lights because i mean as you know when i can say this i'm blue in the face i have the utmost respect for you and and just the inspiration you are to me and then going back to your testimony it was people around you that led you to christ and and it's just a reminder to to always be a light you know wherever you are you can be a light to someone and you can lead you can lead someone to the lord so i appreciate you going through that let's go back a little bit to high school basketball just kind of playing, you're recruiting, um, the Wisconsin basketball scene. Take me through that. Start start freshman year and then working up to when you committed to Wofford. Okay, yeah. Um, man, my freshman year of high school was crazy. I actually, uh, you know, I went through middle school with the same guys, um, you know, and we were actually a really good, successful kind of youth team in the city, Middleton, Wisconsin. And, um, you know, I just worked hard. My dad was super uh, positive and pushing me hard and it gets freshman year. Uh, and we have like tryouts, whatever. Um, you know, I'm hoping, gosh, I'm hoping I'm good enough to make varsity. I think I'm skilled enough. I think I can make JV. Um, man, I make freshmen. Don't get any call up to JV. Don't get any call up to varsity. Uh, two of my other friends, same age freshmen, they got pulled up, um, super pumped for them. And I just realized, man, okay, the problem is I'm just, I can't do anything about it. I'm five one, 140 pounds. Who's yeah. gonna? Yeah, I'm tiny. Uh, I was so so tiny, but uh, it was it was. I think that was my first like. I had some 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 tests earlier in middle school, but that was my first first test um, of, you know, really facing some adversity with basketball. Um, you know, kind of really being let down of like, oh okay, here here I am. You know what? I gotta I gotta you know trust the Lord and realize and, and take joy in the adversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, realize that I don't know the big picture. Um, and, uh, kind of just have childlike faith, childlike perspective, big picture, zoom out and, uh, and take joy in, in what I fell in love with the game. So I think that was kind of the biggest lesson that has been so true uh, throughout the years. But yeah, that was my freshman year. We had a great season. I think we were undefeated. Um, those guys are awesome. Still friends with some of those guys today. That was your, that year was special. Um, my sophomore year ended up making varsity. So jumped over JV, um, big jump, baby. St- big jump, big jump there. Uh, that was fun to go play with two of my other good friends on varsity. And um, yeah, it was a good season. I came off the bench, but uh, you know, we were, we were decent um, getting my, you know, uh, feet on the ground for what varsity basketball is like. Definitely a huge jump there. I mean, there's a huge jump uh, playing older guys. And then um, junior year was a huge year, junior year, starting point guard on varsity. Um, I think I averaged around 18. We were really, really uh, successful that year. Um, and then my senior year, um, we were uh, really good as well, had another great year. But in between all these years was um, AAU basketball. So 
Uh, I play with a local team from, you know, Middleton, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, playing on a team out of Milwaukee. Um, you know, kind of just switching teams throughout the years and and trying to find uh, a good situation because AU is really the, the biggest place where college coaches are going to watch. Um, so my, you know, journey to Wofford was, was awesome through high school, but the craziest thing happened, biggest God miracle story ever, um, would not be here today if, if this didn't happen. But, um, my end of my junior year, um, uh, playing on a local team in Madison, Wisconsin, AAU, um, we go and play, uh, in Indiana in a tournament. And I think I had a couple of division two offers at this point, but I really wanted to go D one. You know, I was really stressed out, really stressed out. Uh, actually a kid I met at Canica camp, he went, played at Texas A&M. Um, I was texting him, I'm like, man, why aren't I getting anything? I'm, I'm good enough. I can get these offers. Mm-hmm. Like these other guys are getting recruited and I'm not. And, you know, I was really like, you know, really, uh, you know, I had high expectations, high goals, high dreams. Um, you know, but I was just, man, where is this? I'm, I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord for it. I'm working. Um, and it's not coming. So I was just, you know, kind of bummed out. Um, and he texted me back and he was like, Hey, bro, you, you can't rush perfection. And see, at the point I knew the plan was perfect. I was trusting like, okay, God's plan is perfect. Like he created us, created the world. Like his plan is perfect. Um, but the timing, I wanted it now. I wanted it, mm-hmm. you know, my time. Uh, and I was eager and, and, and stressed out. And so as soon as he texted me that I can't rush perfection, I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, this is just going to happen or whatever. It's in, it's in your hands. Um, so I go to Indiana, I go to, go to, uh, play a tournament there with the same team. The EYBL is happening. So that's the Nike circuit for AU, best AU teams. I'm like starstruck. I'm like, dad, oh my gosh, tonight after our game, can we go watch? We go, we're paying uh, to get in to watch Trey Young, Michael Porter, and, um, you know, see Coach K, see Coach Calipari. And I'm like starstruck. I'm taking pictures of them, sending them back to my friends at home. Like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, these guys are amazing. I can't believe I'm watching this. Um, and then... The next day we're playing, I guess some like scout or coach or something from one of those Nike EYBL teams came to our tournament to watch. Um, some guy pulls me aside after the game, says, hey, um, you know, I think this team might need a point guard, Macker and Fire in the Nike EYBL. So we're going to have you come and try out. Is that is that cool? I'm like, oh, my gosh, what? What? Like, absolutely. Uh, go try out the next week. Um, I'm playing for them, starting for that team that I had just gone and watched before. Like just something completely I, I couldn't have mm-hmm. controlled, couldn't have done. Um, but it was so cool to see that it was the time where, you know, God kind of, you know, helped my perspective and, and, and trust him and lean into him and his plan, his timing um, that, that, that happened. And then, you know, as I, as I played with that team, way more exposure happened through, through the college recruiting scene. So that's where I got the offer to Wofford and, um, you know, Eric Garcia was the point guard before and he was leaving. I was like, man, this is a great opportunity. Great school. Love the coach. Uh, didn't know Jake Dippold was going to be there, but if I did commit <laughs> on the spot, but, um, yeah, committed like a couple weeks later. So that was, uh, that was the biggest miracle blessing of all time. That's awesome, bro. Like the first, the first moment in your high school career, you really take a step back and fully trust in God's plan immediately. He provides you. It's almost like he was just storm weight listen mm-hmm. and then and then you take that step and you start listening and immediately he kind of provides and that's just such a good reminder for life to where if we really just take a moment step back be patient god will provide and god will always provide you know so that's awesome bro mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. do you attribute a lot of your skill to being undersized growing up do you think that pushed you to to really dive in and and to really focus on your skills and hone your craft because you weren't going to just body someone and you weren't going to yeah. jump someone or, or be taller than someone, honestly. So just kind of talk about that a little bit and 
and honing your craft yeah. and and how that worked for sure i think i uh um yeah thank goodness for mirrors i mean i was able to see how small i was and really realize uh gosh from from people's criticism too a little bit i i was definitely pushed to uh, have to find my my own way you know kind of you know work on certain things that that um being an undersized guard guy playing basketball that i really was going to have to figure it out um because uh not too many you know small guys are, are going to make it so uh, yeah i really had to work on on moves and dribbling and passing and um you know being quick and my iq i think I, I really learned basketball at a high level at a young age so i think um yeah all those things i definitely attribute tribute to uh, being able to you know progress and, and move on from one stage to the next uh was just uh yeah early age working with trainers like michael lancaster um and then working with my dad a ton um so yeah. Do you ever question why God gave you this big passion for basketball and, and made you undersized? Was that something that you had to deal with and struggle with? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times um, I would, you know, just, I would just be waiting on this growth spurt. You know, I'm just, I'm just hoping for something. I'm, I want to be tall. I want to be able to dunk. I want to be able to play it a little bit differently. I want to be able to uh, pass the eye test, you know, from, from coaches and recruiting standpoint. But um, yeah, I think it was uh as I continue to think about it, get criticized, whatever, I, it, it, it kind of became fuel, a chip on my shoulder. And I was like, man, that's nothing. Like I, I, I am going to work so much harder and um, use it to find new ways and different ways to, to, to score and to pass and to, um, to be a good basketball player. So yeah, I definitely, definitely question at times, but use it as fuel. I love it. I love it. Let's talk about freshman year at Wofford now coming in, starting immediately. How was that? Just a little quick hitter on that. Talk about, some big points there. Yeah, that was awesome. I actually, gosh, there was another uh, incredible time, right, of adversity. I, I don't, you know, I'm coming in, uh, and I think that's the big adjustment for anyone who was who was good in high school. They come into college, it's a whole new scene, whole new game, and uh, they're questioning their whole entire existence and life and purpose and why in the world am I going to am I going to play? What is happening? Um, you know, so a lot of stresses and pressure there, but. Um, to look back now, it's crazy to be like, oh my gosh, dude, chill out. Like you're a little freshman, like you're going to mm -hmm. be fine. You got years to figure it out, you know, but I had so much pressure on myself. I, I, I put on myself. Uh, there was one night I was like crying to my parents, calling them and um, just so bummed out, stressed out, so much pressure. And um, I was like, man, I'm just going to transfer soon or something. I'm just, I, I can't do this. Uh, and there was one night I just like, my parents just told me to stop telling them about it and talk to God about it. And um, yeah, I just was real with the Lord. I was really, really real and um, just poured my heart out, like how I was feeling. You know, man, I, I feel horrible. I want this. I, I don't see this working out. I don't know. Um, and, you know, week, two weeks later, you know, he comes through and season was great. was able to play a lot and have success. And, um, you know, he kind of just you know, there's just so many steps when I look back in, in my career that God just shows up, you know, in, in, in this fun, awesome game, this gift of basketball um, that he just continues to show himself so generously. So it's it's just cool to, to see. It's like I'm uh, in the front row watching him, but there's so many instances over this whole whole thing. That's awesome. And, and you just touched on it a little bit, but I would say anyone who knew you, anyone who knew of you at Wofford would say you were extremely confident and always confident not only on the floor, but, but in life, was that something 
where you were actually confident or was that something you were able to develop and and just look confident while you were actually struggling what you talked about yeah i think um i think in general like almost all the time i've definitely been uh a very confident person um you know i think that that's come from uh you know a lot of a lot of work that i've put in so i trust myself i i know things will work out um i know how you know skilled or whatever i am on the basketball court and um you know and then even off the court i think you know just my personality being you know outgoing and talkative um you know kind of just leads into to confidence for me but um yeah at the times and points where i'm not confident i have bad performance or i'm bummed out about this or i can i can completely you know go into a, a bad place of perfectionism and um kind of just really stress out and be really really hard on myself go into isolation kind of um you know be the complete opposite of, of my normal self as a confident uh, outgoing guy so um yeah i think it's something that i've built from a young age um but um you know definitely bleeds into who i am perfect yeah man and and so let's let's move into that big run sophomore year first time getting on the national stage ncaa tournament was it tough to to kind of stay humble and and keep your identity in christ or is that something that you have prepared for your whole life were able to kind of move through it and then just your first time really being the man at Wofford. And I know, I know there's some older guys, Fletch, obviously, Kebe, those, uh, Pegram, those other guys that were a huge part of the team. But that, I think that was when you kind of came to stardom, not only at Wofford, but on the national stage. How did you keep your identity in Christ? How did you stay humble? Just kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, gosh, looking back, that's crazy that we, like to say that we went 21 and 0 is insane. Wow. Um, over that year, knowing how, how tough that league can be. Um, but yeah, my goodness, it was, I don't know. I don't think it was, was, was that hard, um, to like, I don't think we really got cocky or hot headed or, you know, thought too too highly of ourselves because, um, at the same time as we were super confident, we believed we were going to win the league. We, we, everything, we knew how good we were that year. Um, we, it was, it was, it was honestly crazy just to go through it as ourselves, to see ourselves succeeding and winning so many games and playing so well, uh, that it was just like, what? Another win. Okay. Like it was just so cool to see. Um, and so I think, uh, yeah, we kind of just celebrated, took a lot of joy in it, but we were, we were really uh, a humble group that year. Uh, mm -hmm. like the way we competed in practices, the way we went at each other, the way we had like two starting lineups, basically playing of 10 guys. Uh, we were so deep. And so, uh, no, I think, yeah, that was, that was, that's the basketball aspect, but I think, uh, on the spiritual side going through that year, my goodness, that was Cam Jackson, uh, and Will Stigall's senior year. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were huge, uh, influences, huge helps, uh, for me just, uh, you know, they were seniors, they're Christians. Um, I'm a sophomore at that point. Um, or, you know, all of us are plugged into Camp outreach and, and, you know, same Bible study groups and stuff like that. So, um, you know, on the road, Cam and I, Will and I, whatever, we would, we would talk, we would read, we would, um, you know, yeah, kind of hold each other accountable, keep each other encouraged and stuff like that. So they were definitely uh, big influences for sure. So, um, yeah, glad, glad I had that for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll tell anyone you handled that situation about as good as you can handle it from a spiritual standpoint. And we're going to move into it a little bit later, but just kind of like your identity in Christ, always showing your identity in Christ. You weren't, you were never just a basketball player. And that's something 
you kind of took pride in. And we'll talk about that later. But first, we got to go to basketball at Virginia Tech. Was Virginia Tech always the next option? Were you pretty definitively wanting to go there because of Coach Young? How did you make that decision? Yeah, so um, my senior year when we got, I think it was maybe September, uh, when they gave out that ruling for winter sports, we're going to have the extra year of COVID. Um, you know, I was really thinking about, my goodness, what am I going to do? I have um, I have options now. Hopefully this year continues to go well and I can maybe, you know, go play professionally um, or I come back to Wofford or I grad transfer and go somewhere else. Um, so try not to think about it too much. Try to just keep my options open throughout the year. And then um, once the year concluded, it was it was still it wasn't, you know, a straight shot. I'm going to VT or anything. Um, definitely pretty quickly right after I put my name in the portal uh, to explore all options, heard from Coach Young and a lot of schools. Um, but yeah, I was still very set on probably just going overseas or, or trying to go the pro route uh, of basketball and, and play that as my dream. Um, and then the more I talked about it with, with my family and, and friends and, uh, you know, I'm so close to so many guys over there at VT. Um, it just, it was like, man, I can't pass this up. I can't pass up this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, it was pretty much, it was pretty much VT. It was funny. All the coaches on the calls, they would, you know, other schools would ask me like, is this even worth my time? Or are you just going to go to Virginia tech? Um, but you know, I tried to listen to everyone. And, um, but at the end of the day, yeah, too close with, with Keve and, and Will coach Giltner and coach Young. So, mm-hmm. um, had to, had to go for it. And, uh, my goodness, I'm I'm so so glad I did. And I think you'd be the first to say that that start at VT wasn't what you hoped for individually or as a team. How mm-hmm. did you all deal with that as a team? And then how did you deal with that individually? Yeah, I think, gosh, we have so much pressure on us so many times, uh, not just as, like, as athletes or anything in that situation, but just as people. Um, gosh, we put so I've learned so much through this last year, year and a half of, of what um, yeah, how to deal with pressure, how to deal with, you know, priorities in this world and stuff like that. I think uh, we had so much expectation on us um, to come in. And I mean, preseason polls, we were ranked in the country. And um, yeah, I had a lot of pressure coming from Wofford, scoring a lot there and coming in, like, how am I going to be all this this scoring and stuff like that? Um, Well, at the same time, I'm like, okay, hold on. I have some really, really good basketball players with me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, This is about to be a whole new role. Um, I want to win. I want to win it. You know, I want to make a deep NCAA tournament run. I want to win the ACC. That was the plan. Um, and so, yeah, knowing that I was going to play and, and, and be the point guard uh, was, was awesome. A huge reason why I went there. Um, that was the understanding. And then, um, you know, come in and, and yeah, not play great, not play great as a, as an individual, not shoot it great. Uh, not, uh, you know, score as much or whatever as i did at wofford and i think a lot of uh yeah there's a lot of like backlash and you know uh pressure built up um but my goodness yeah people again right people are, are so important and they just continue mm-hmm. to uh keep my head high and um push me to work and, and believe in myself um coaches and um, family and friends and so um yeah like you said that start was not great um we were 10 and 10, we were two and seven to start the ACC dead last. Uh, but my goodness, it was so cool. Um, kind of just, again, like a testament of, of how God is so faithful with us. We just, we just remained consistent. We, we tried not to get too high, too low. Um, and coach young, he really, um, 
he just continued to tell us like we're gonna we're gonna figure it out like we not only have great basketball players we have great people like no mm-hmm. one's going anywhere we all believe in each other uh we have a great locker room our culture and our chemistry was off the charts last year i mean like even for me to come in as a as a, as a last year guy mm-hmm. I'm, I'm older but it's my first year too so and we had some freshmen it's like man how close we all got so fast was incredible um, so the culture, the chemistry we had on the court and off the court was great. I think is a huge reason why we pulled through, why we won. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I don't know if I would, I would write it any differently. You know, it's awesome. I, I love to, to make the comeback and, uh, and have success at the end. So did you struggle with any hate early? And if so, how did you deal with that? Any, any kind of maybe like Instagram, hate school, yeah. school oh, yeah, yeah. word. I, I feel like, that was the first time on a national stage that and it doesn't really happen at Wofford because people love yeah. people love the Terriers, but you don't have that like national. Um, I don't want to call it hate, but that national hate to where if you're not performing, people are going to tell you about it and people are going to comment about mm-hmm. it and tweet about it. How did you deal with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was huge, actually. Um, there was a lot of hate, you know, plain and simple. There's a lot of hate uh, toward me. Um, throughout last year um crazy hilarious but um no i think you know hokies really care about their sports really mm-hmm. care about their teams and um you know that's why it was hard at times but that's also why uh the winning at the end was so much more rewarding um you know because uh you know hokie nation yes hard on me at times but also so so supportive at the end and encouraging and um yeah i think you know dealt with that um through teammates, I think our, our, like I said, our locker room, our chemistry, our culture was amazing. Um, everyone just continued. We would talk about, it. like, we would talk about all of that tweets and, and posts mm-hmm. and, oh my goodness, this and that. And we just laugh at it. Um, so, you know, that stuff doesn't kind of like, you know, it, you know, invade and just kind of foster and grow and mm-hmm. get in my head. And I don't have to deal with that alone. Everyone kind of just laughs at it and thinks it's hilarious. We all know our roles. We all know how good we are. So, um it was super uh super cool experience honestly i I love that i went through that experience a huge uh benefit uh i think just for my life right like how um i'll be able to be a coach or a father and continue to play you know to deal with that stuff so um yeah i'm glad i went through that but yeah man again relied on people and um belief so back to a positive note how would winning that ac title feel oh man it was uh I don't know if at this point in my life, in 23 years, I haven't had another, like a better week. I think that was the best week, uh, just in terms of, of fun and, um, gosh, emotions I can't even explain. Um, yeah, ACC tournament in Brooklyn, um, for it to be there was really, really cool. Um, and then to do it the way we did, where we had to literally win the whole thing to get the NCAA tournament, uh, to play in the Barclays Center, uh, to win four games in a row, to win them the way we did against the teams that we did. Um, man, just everything. The breakfast, game day mornings, <laughs> the shoot-arounds, the bus trips. Um, it was just, it was uh, a focus I've never experienced from myself and the rest of the team, like a uh, a passion, a determination, a desperation, like just the craziest of emotions um, that are so right for, for winning and for what happened, but winning that thing was uh, gosh, the, just the best sense of uh, relief and uh, excitement of all time. Yeah. 
did that did that dance with Joel Barry at the end? Was that planned? How did that come out? How did that come no. to Gosh, the whole gritty dance thing kind of just happened. Uh, you you started gritty in, in what, round two, round two, maybe round yeah, one. I guess I guess, like after I guess it was after, and then people just latched onto it. I think it was after Notre Dame. It was after second game, round two. Uh, yeah, I was doing it with David, and uh, we were going off the court, and the camera got it, and then it kind of just it, it blew up a little bit. But uh, it was the perfect time of the gritty dance around the world was blowing up, but. Yeah, after we won, um, Joel Barry was up there and they kind of brought it up and wanted to do it. So I was all for it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Watching, and I, I was actually so mad it was in Brooklyn because I'm in Greensboro right now, mm-hmm. which is the other host city. And I, I would have been at every single game, every single yeah. one to see you win the <laughs> AC Championship would have been awesome. <laughs> but, but for you, obviously, I think Brooklyn is a, a more exciting place for that to happen. Yeah, Barclays was, was awesome. Was That's awesome. Wild. Yeah. College athletics going back just a little bit are so wild and so tough because we are 18 to 22 year olds playing a game kind of at the amateur level, but not, not really anymore. But the weird and big thing is that our coaches, that's how like they feed their children is based on how these 18 to 22 year olds throw a ball in my sense and shoot a ball in your sense. (laughs) And that's just so wild for me to wrap my head around to where if, if I don't throw it well and wow. we lose the game, or if you don't play well, you don't shoot well and you lose the game, like your coach can lose his job and, and not have a way to feed his family. And like, how, does that, does that kind of have the same effect on you? Yeah, it's crazy. I don't, uh, I don't think about it much. Um, but when I do it, yeah, it blows my mind that that's like the reality of it. Um, I'm, I'm so thankful for, for the coaches I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, my goodness, just, uh, I think the environment that the coaches I've had, um, Coach Young, Coach McCauley, Coach Giltner, like they all just, uh, they just create an environment uh, that's so welcoming, so inviting, um, and aligns everyone's mindset so well. Uh, it makes it so fun to where that's kind of like the last thing anyone would think about. Um, you know, of course, there's going to be pressures. There's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, good games, bad games, um, tough you know, every, it's hard to win. Winning is like the hardest thing. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the culture, the environment, who you surround yourself with um, is, is the, is, you know, the driving factor for um, success. But yeah, no, that's, an, that's an insane thought to, to think that's really the reality of it. And it still is over here, you know, over here. Yeah, and, that's uh, basketball is, it's even more of a business now, you know, my goodness, you know, guys will leave teams, you know, during the year after one year, coaches are in and out. So um, it's definitely, definitely a business for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and throughout your whole career, your, your high school career, your college career, your pro career. Now, I think one thing that you do exceptionally well is keeping your identity in Christ, which is something that is so hard and, and you deserve to be commended on every single time I see you do it either from, you know, just pointing to the sky, something as small as that pointing to the sky after a big play and, and just showing who gets credit for what you're doing. Any advice you have for maybe a kid in high school or a kid in college now who is coming up and, and is struggling with that, wants the glory, wants the fame? How, how did you do it so well? And any advice you give to someone else to just make sure keeping your priorities straight and, and keeping your identity in Christ? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it comes down to why, you know, why would we need and want to, um, 
give time to focus and prioritize who we really are and identity uh, in Christ or, um, you know, give it up and, you know, kind of align ourselves so closely with what we want in life, the things in life, the success, um, whether it be a sport or a career uh, for me, basketball. Um, I think it, at the end of the day, you have to really realize that, um, and it's so hard to do, so hard to realize this, but uh, success really isn't the end all be all. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's who, who you are uh, and really who Jesus is to you. Like the relationship that you have with him, um, just the life, the life that you, like the, the, the life, the joy, uh, the purpose, the meaning behind your life um, is way more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, to grasp the gospel and to realize what we have been saved from, um, right. how sinful we are and how dead and helpless we are in our sin, that Jesus literally comes and takes our place, serves our life sentence for us, mm-hmm. um, and gives us a free gift of salvation. Um, like, there's really no satisfaction. Uh, and I'm preaching to myself here. Like, there's no satisfaction that really tops um you know all the success that we can get from just you know clinging and fighting so hard for for what we want in this life um and so i think that's the biggest perspective i've had to realize is god's been so sweet to me jesus has been so amazing to to give me those awesome times of worship and closeness mm-hmm. and relationship and, and and vision to see the gospel um because those times uh and the life i've had in that is is just so much more beautiful and, and, and meaningful to me than any success um in basketball and so um you know in the in the tough times like i'm coming off a bad game over here mm-hmm. um coming off a bad game over here and it's so timely that that, that we talk about this because that's you know a daily struggle a daily battle a daily thing um is to to see you know the world in the right perspective our lives in the right perspective and um there's a quote uh there's a quote that's it's not spiritual or anything but um the guy said, you know, when I was in my 20s, I just wanted to make, be a millionaire. I wanted all this mm-hmm. money and success. But then when I was a millionaire, I wanted to be in my 20s. And, uh, you know, I think it's just like be where your feet are, right? Like like live in the now, um, you know, because we're always thinking about next and, and this, this success and how much money we'll have in the future or this, you know, next career jump we want to make or whatever. Um, but just being present. I think is huge. That's something that I'm really trying to focus on over here, living alone and um, jumping to this new, new territory. So yeah, my goodness, it's definitely a, a, a big thing. Um, it's really everything. Cause we can get so lost. We can get so lost and then it becomes uh, such a black hole to go down in a steep slope of, of just, you know, clinging to, to success and then failures um, happen. Right. And it just can, uh, can be so hard to deal with. So yeah, not adding all that pressure and, and just really trusting the Lord, like with whatever it is. I, I know like mm-hmm. that's kind of a vague, ter- vague term. A lot of people will say that, but really like trusting the Lord with the, the exact things that you want um, and, you know, whatever's going to align with what he wants. So, um, so identity is huge. Yeah. That's so good, bro. And, and I brought this up last week, but I got to bring it up again. It deserves to be brought up again. We were in, I, I don't even know what it's called. The Tony White theater that that little theater <laughs> with all painted black walls and i think you were coming off probably not a great game maybe a bad stretch of games and we, we were kind of just sitting there and praying and hanging out 
I think it was post-campus outreach and you're in your journal and you're writing and you're, and you're scribbling. You are, you are going to town and that journal. And I'm like, what, what are you writing over there? What are you doing? Like, I think everyone's talking and you're just, you are deep into your journal writing down and, and the prayer and the prayer you're writing to yourself and you're saying to yourself is I am more than a basketball player. My identity is not in basketball. My identity is in Jesus. I am the son of God. And you were just repeating that over and over and over and telling yourself over and over and over that no matter how many points you score, no matter if you had turnovers last game, no matter if you didn't play well at all, everything's still great because Jesus died on the cross. God came and saved us. And how were you so mature and so mature in your faith in that moment to be able to pray those prayers in that moment? And I talked about this last week too, but it is so hard to do something like that in that moment. Most times you see stuff like that, it's coming afterwards. You, you have a testimony of how you worked through it and how you were the worst when you were bad, but then you turned it around and, it, and you come back and say, yeah, I prayed through it when I was doing that, but, but you're back on the good side. You were in mm -hmm. the dumps. I, I knew you had a bad game and you were so locked into praying that prayer. Just talk, kind of talk about how you did that. Yeah, um, my goodness, I think, yeah, a lot of times, right? It's like it can be used as an excuse, right? It's like, oh, you know, shift our mind, do something else, get busy. Uh, don't want to think about, you know, failures and, and bad games. Um, and we'll just wait till we figure it out, you know, and then just get over it. But um, I think in the midst of what we don't have, we have to realize like we have enough. I think, I think that's, that's everything is realizing that like with Jesus, we have enough, more than enough in this world. And it's like, everyone on this planet is is striving for something right we all uh, whether we all know it or not have this deep longing and desire uh to be loved really mm -hmm. while we might think it's just to succeed it's really to to be fulfilled uh and be in love uh and, and jesus the most loving of all loves us more than we can imagine does the most loving thing that's beyond comprehension um to, to go from heaven to earth, die in our place. Um, like we are so deeply loved. Like we're the apple of his eye. Every, everyone is right. He, he's mm -hmm. so crazy about us. And to, to realize that uh, the story of the gospel is uh, enough. Right. So it's like, no matter what we have enough. Um, I think that's what I, you know, I've always kind of tried to cling to as best I can um, in the good times and the bad. It's harder to, uh, you know, to, be pushed toward that in the great times when things are going really well. Um, but in the bad times, um, bad games, failures, whatever, um, it's huge, right? To realize like, okay, you know what? All this, because that emotion you feel after, uh, after failure can be daunting, can be horrible, um, can be super stressful. But to realize it's like, okay, bigger picture here, whatever I'm striving for, whatever I'm needing to fulfill me is not enough and is not capable uh, to match the satisfaction that's in Christ. And I have enough, like it, it's almost a separation from mm -hmm. sport. It's almost a separation from sport. We are who we are as humans in this world, um, as, as disciples, as, uh, followers of Christ, as, as in relationship with him. And, you know, and then we bring that into whatever we are, right. That's, that's how this thing is supposed to go is we are who we are, um, growing in the image of Christ. And then, we bring that into our jobs, into our, into our schools, into our practices, 
um, as best we can, right? It's always a, a growing mission, but um, I think that's kind of kind of realizing that separation um, is huge. That's awesome. And that that's what this podcast and this new kind of blog and, and ministry I've been trying to develop here is about. I think there's so many lessons that that come through sports and come through mindset training that translate directly into not only our everyday corporate life per se, but also our faith life to where mm-hmm. God gives us the ability to, to take action. You know, there, there's times in our life to where God's given us the ability to answer our own prayer and we're not even doing it because we're, we're waiting for someone else to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that that's a huge lesson that you learn in sports to where go and take it, go and do it, you know, go and do it. You can do it. You have the ability to go do it. God's saying the same thing. We're praying the same prayers over and over. And God's looking down at us and being like, I I gave you the ability to do that. You can answer that prayer. All you got to do is take that step and do it right now. And I think that's the biggest thing that's translated from sports into real life and into faith life for me is that coach Volts, my pitching coach was awesome. We, we did mental meetings twice a week, once a week, every single week, all year long. And, and they could get monotonous and boring, but the stuff I learned in those meetings is what really sticks with me now today. And it's stuff that, that people wouldn't even think about sometimes, but they already do it like Mm -hmm. routines, goals, journaling, um, mantras, all that stuff. And all that stuff directly relates to our faith life. If, if we would just insert Mm -hmm. those actions into our life, we would not only become stronger Christians, but we become stronger people to go out and disciple better, to go out and, and spread yeah. the gospel better, you know, because we have those actions and we've taken those actions. So for you, what do you think are the best, le- best lessons you learned in basketball that translate directly into your faith life? Yeah. Wow. That's a huge question. Um, yeah. Things I've learned the most from basketball uh, translating into my faith life. Um, man, I would say that, um, yeah, failure and, and, you know, poor performance is not, um, the end all be all. It's not, it's not who we are. We aren't defined by our success. We're not defined by our, our failures. Um, you know, I think, you know, like you've said, like coaches make a living on the performance of, of college players and pro players. And, um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's huge to, to realize that, um, man, we, we aren't defined by success. We aren't defined by failure and that we have, um, this, this other life, you know, like a a real life, um, Mm -hmm. human beings, not human doings. And we, um, we get to, to rest in that. Um, I think there's a huge, um, kind of similarity between, like you said, like, fighting for something we really are passionate about, striving for it, working for it, trying to win games, trying to be a good basketball player, a good pitcher, a good baseball player. Like these are things we want and desire. Um, and so we go for them, right? Just like in our Christian life and our, in our walks of faith, like we want to excel. We want to do better. We want to follow the Lord, you know, but at times we, we don't, right? At times mm-hmm. we become lazy. We become blind. We, um, we fall and we, we deal with mistakes, um, and the Holy spirit, right. Is continuously convicting us and showing us our mistakes and showing us where we're wrong. And that's where God is so faithful. 
right? Just like coaches and, and, and friends and teammates don't give up on you. You know, that's what a team is about is, is growing as the season progresses and getting better every day. That's why we have practice, right? But it's not a, just about the success. It's about the failures that lead to the success. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the restoration, the recentering, um, being on the same page. I think there's so many um, aspects that, you know, go into who we are as Christians, because my goodness, time and time and time and time again, I've failed and failed and failed. Um, and, you know, yeah, had to, had to go back to, to what is the gospel, right? What is the gospel? What has Jesus really done for me? Okay. Right. Like not to get too bogged down in my mistakes and failures in life. Uh, and as a Christian, um, and then to, to go off of the, the another thing, um, where we're not defined by our success or failure, like mm-hmm. we can't get ourselves to heaven. Like I can't, I can't, I'm never good enough, right? Like nothing I do will ever pay for my own mistakes. Like Mm -hmm. I am a, I am a sinner. I have sinned. Like I can't, I can't restore that. Um, And so any success I have in this life, you know, in worldly terms, uh, you know, money, fame, success, whatever you want to call it, being a really good person, like it's never enough. So you can't be Mm -hmm. defined by that in your Christian walk. And then your failures, right? It's like, we need to overcome those. We need a, a savior for our failures and that's Jesus. And so he gives us a new identity. So we can't be defined by, by successes or failures. It has to be somebody else. Um, so, so much in basketball and so much in our Christian life. For sure. And you can lose a sport whenever. And I think mm-hmm. I'm a great, I'm a great example of that. I had, I was blessed to have a pretty solid junior year. COVID rips it off. We, that season's over. We were at Auburn on the road had beat Auburn. They were, I think, 14th in the nation. We beat them on the bus ride home. They canceled a season for COVID, mm-hmm. and that season's over. But, you know, I got senior year. I'm coming back. I'm ready to go. I, I had definitely started to make baseball and sport my idol. You know, I, my, mm-hmm. my mindset was not in the right place. I was all baseball, all locked into baseball, ready to go that senior year, ready to kind of ball out. Like, I've been waiting. I, I had a good junior year. I had an okay sophomore year, and, and senior year was going to be that year, maybe get on the map, see, see what happens after college. But mm-hmm. one week out from the season, I, I start having some pain in my leg out of nowhere. And I, I go to the doctors and they immediately throw me on crutches. And I had broken my femur at some point in the fall. And they don't know exactly when it started or exactly when it happened, but grade three fracture, I'm out for four or five months, missed the whole year. I didn't, I didn't pitch a single ball my senior year, I tried to come back briefly. I threw like one inning and, and my leg couldn't hold me up. That was more just me kind of spiting the whole thing and, and trying to throw mm-hmm. in. And I had a really good first inning when I come back. And then I think I gave up four runs to Western because I had no adrenaline. I came back out. I couldn't land on my foot. My, my yeah. leg was broken, you know, and Jeez. I was in those moments. I, I was definitely down and Jana Marie was a huge, huge part of that of pointing me back to God and, and pointing me back to Jesus and and telling me there there is something that's going to come from that. And in those moments is when I actually started to realize what this podcast is about. You know, in those meetings, I, I wasn't really a baseball player anymore. I knew I wasn't playing the rest of the year. So I was like, how do I get some benefit out of this? How do I learn from this? And I was sitting there and I started thinking all of this applies to faith. Everything we're learning right now, having a good routine, 
You know, routines breed consistency and consistencies breed success. It's the same thing with praying, with journaling, with going to church. That's one goals, visualization. We need to have goals in our faith life as well. A goal to, to read through the gospels, mm-hmm. a goal to read the whole Bible, a goal to pray every day. All these things translate into our faith life. And, and I had never seen that before. I had never treated my faith life as something that I had to work at. You know, I thought I could yeah. just be a Christian and, and Jesus would do everything. Give it all to Jesus. He's going to do it all. I don't got to work at all. You know, I can just sit here. I was mm-hmm. baptized. The water cleansed me and I'm good to go. You know, but we have to work here on earth to be the best Christians we can be as well, because we're surrounded by sin. We're surrounded by temptation. We got to work, push that all away. And, and the way we work at that is the same way we work to get better at a sport. And mm-hmm. I would have never realized that if baseball was still my idol that freshman year, I played that whole year. I had a good year, you know, and, and I don't even know where I would be at. And it's crazy to think that it take, it took me breaking my leg, missing my whole senior year to realize stuff like this. But the last two or three years of my life have been the best of my life from a faith standpoint and, and from a relationship standpoint, because I've really started to, to work at being a Christian, you know, being an active yeah. Christian and, and taking control mm-hmm. of that and, and using the abilities God gave me to grow closer to him and grow closer to Christ and to bring others around because, you know, at the, at the core of it, we're disciples and you know that better than anyone, bro. Like we're, we're out here to spread the light. We're out here to spread the gospel. And that is so much easier and so better done when we lean into taking control and, and being active in that. And, you know, control is a tough word to use because I don't want it to sound like I'm taking control from God, but, but mm-hmm. here on earth, we have yeah. free will, you know, bro, like we have free will, like we have the ability to control our actions and taking those actions to get closer to God instead of shying away from him and falling into temptation. It's exactly what we're trying to do, you know, bro. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like. Yeah, there's so many parallels between between sport and our, our journeys as Christians, but. Yeah, like you said, gosh, like, right? Like, who's no one's gonna just do it for us if we just sit here, Never. right? If we just don't practice, if we don't prepare for games, like, what are we gonna be good? No, like, um, yeah, like, our walks as Christian, right? It takes uh perseverance, it takes determination, it takes time with the Lord, it takes um practice, it takes um work, it really does. Um, yeah, my goodness, I've seen that over and over at times in my life. When I when I get lazy, um, right, I can I can right lose my identity and, mm-hmm. and struggle with my identity, become have sport and other things in life become idols, uh, where where Jesus isn't my sole focus. Uh, and so many times, even right since our senior year at Wofford and and COVID and uh, so many things over the last two years. Um, and so many times and instances where I have so struggled with, mm-hmm. with, with, um, my identity in Christ, whether it, you know, be going toward basketball or other things in life becoming idols. Um, it's almost like he, yeah, he humbles us. He shows us. It's like, what we want to happen the least, uh, is actually what we need the most and is going to show us, you know, right where we're supposed to be, give us a good perspective. So, um, 100%. And even from, yeah. uh, 
from a non-inward looking, not even, not selfish, but just inward looking experience. Even when you're praying for other people, you know, I can pray, Lord, mm-hmm. please, please show your, please show yourself to, to this person, but I'm not going to go share the gospel with them. You know, like mm-hmm. God, God mm-hmm. has put me in that position to go share the gospel with that person. And I'm praying that this person sees God without taking the initiative and taking the action to go share it with them or, or even something more tangible, you know, like God, yeah. please, please provide, Man. please provide rent for my friend. And, and I've got some extra money laying around. Why am I not going and paying that rent and being that answer to that prayer? You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been really locked in lately on, on specific praying and praying specific prayers because when we pray specifically, it breeds specific answers. How many times can I say specific in a row there? But, I love that. Um, specific. And by praying for direct things, it's a lot easier to see God answering those things in our life. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I pray for something exactly, instead of saying this, this umbrella term of Lord, yeah. bring me yeah. peace, Lord, be, be a light in my world. He, he's doing that stuff and he's doing it every single day, but, but we're not seeing it because how, how are we going to see something that big? You know, to where yeah. if I pray something exact and specific, when he answers that prayer, I'm going to know about it. You know, yeah, 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 I'm going to know yeah. about it. So that that's just something to always keep in mind as well. Bro, for sure. That's huge. Like, wow, that's so good for me. Even right now, as I'm over here, like we are going to be um, sometimes, right? The only Bible that people read. Like mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. are going to be the influence and the we are supposed to be the light and the uh, example we are supposed to be. And so many times in my own life, like I have been horrible. I've been the opposite Mm -hmm. of what I'm supposed to be as a light for Christ. Um, But you're right. It's like, who's, who's going to do it if we don't, if we don't do it, you know, if we don't uh, take that responsibility Mm -hmm. um, and gosh, even, even the, the, the conversations and the times where we do almost like, in a way, it seems like take God's place, right? We go do the work. We, we mm-hmm. go share. We go try to, to be a, a great influencer, tell someone about Jesus. And um, just like we were shown and told about Jesus, like mm-hmm. the joys we get from actually when we step out in faith and do that, what we see God do actually through us and like through our words or, or just the miracles we're able to witness when we lean into that and we mm-hmm. step out in faith, it's crazy. I mean, just over and over in the Gospels, right? Like how many times do the disciples have to lean out step into faith they didn't even think maybe this is possible they they do it they try it they take that step and god shows up and and has a miracle happen right so it's crazy it's crazy bro and the thing i think that holds up a lot of people and at least me to where the times i'm struggling to go spread spread the gospel or or be that light is you start to feel this imposter syndrome you know like who Mm. am i to be the one that goes and tells that person. And I, and I over and over again, come back to Acts and, and Saul who became Paul. And for, for those of you who don't know, Saul was the, the anti-Christian, you know, when, when Christianity first started, Saul was killing mm-hmm. everyone and anything that had to do with, with Jesus or with the new church or, and he was doing it well, you know, like he was, mm-hmm. he was all over the place, killing people, being that guy and then 
one day the Lord comes to him and blinds him. You know, he blinds him and he, now we can't see anything. And the Lord says, share my son, share my church. And immediately Paul flips and he's back in those same villages. He was killing people, spreading <laughs> the news of Jesus. And that is wild to me. Wild to me, <laughs> so bro. Wild. So like, who am I to, who am I to say that, that I shouldn't share Jesus? No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter the, 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 the sins, the temptations that you fall into, you can still spread Jesus. And, and Paul is the best example. And it might not be easy. If you're going into situations where people have seen you do bad things, you have that reputation. You know, like mm -hmm. it's going to be hard mm -hmm. to do it. And Paul went through that. There was times when people were like, why, why would I ever listen to you? You just killed my brother last week. You know, like, so yeah. we're in a situation <laughs> to where maybe at, at college, a college example, we were, we were partying. We were doing something bad at a party that we shouldn't have been doing. And then the next week we're at a ministry trying to spread the gospel. And someone's like, why, why should I listen to that yeah. guy? He was, he was on top yeah. of the table screaming yeah. at me last week at a house party, you know? And just because <laughs> we, we fall and just because we sin doesn't mean yeah. we're not still called to share the gospel in those moments and, and learn and get better from those moments. And Paul, that, that story is wild, bro. That, that's just such a good example. Yeah, bro. It's huge. That's, that's, I, I think that that ties so well into the struggle between with sport too, of like, okay, our identity is in Christ, our identities is as mm -hmm. athletes, but okay. What happens when, you know, we, we, we want to share Christ, you know, we want to grow in Christ, but we fail. And, you mm -hmm. know, that's either individually, that's publicly um, failing and, um, you know, but then we have this responsibility and this want and desire to share Christ and to, to, to not fail. Um, yeah, we, we, we told that balance between our identities in Christ and the confidence in the gospel of what Jesus has done. But then also this letdown and the shame of failure and sin and hypocrite and, mm -hmm. you know, a lack of, 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 um, you know, credibility to be able to, to share and to be a light and, um, man, I, I just, for me too, like, gosh, like that is so real. That's some, mm -hmm. those are some of the realest feelings I've ever felt, you know, of, of, of shame and that balance between wanting to share and, and be a light or, um, you know, regret, uh, you know, wishing I didn't do this or do this publicly or had a better influence on, on this person there. And, um, man, yeah, like over and over um even even i mean what peter denies christ three times publicly right yeah. there and like then he's confronted with christ again and it's like man like we do we make mistakes but i think yeah we can't let um those drive us deeper into into shame and into um you know struggles because you know then time's wasted and, and it's hard to hard to rebound but um yeah, no, it's for sure. It's it's a thing that uh, the thing that God does, right? It's like mm -hmm. he he provides um, the people, uh, the influence, the words, everything. But we got to go do it. We have to uh, to step out. Um, but yeah, and and all sin is equal, right, bro? So who am I? Who am I to say that my sins make mm -hmm. it so I can't go share the gospel? Who is Paul to say? that his sins should stop him from sharing the gospel once he's been saved, once he's accepted Jesus. 
you know, and, and all yeah. that to say that I, I'm not telling the listeners to go out and, and be bad so they can then go do the reverse. Like it's a lot mm-hmm. easier mm-hmm. if you have a really good reputation and you have a squeaky clean um, aura about you to go out and spread it without those moments. But yeah. just because you've had those moments doesn't mean you can't share the gospel, yeah. you know, and then For sure. Yeah, yeah. And then when you I was just say it's like it's yeah, not about I was gonna say it's not about being perfect, right? It's like yeah, no okay, doubt. if I'm if I'm if I'm not some 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 of the most sinful people and messed up people are the mm-hmm. best examples of what Christ can do, right? Mm-hmm. Like look at Paul, right? Like my goodness, like if it's about being perfect, then yes, absolutely do not listen to me because yeah. I am the furthest thing from perfect. Same. Do not Same. listen to me. But but if it's not actually about being perfect and it's actually about what the perfect one Jesus does for the most unperfect people, mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. then, then I actually like, thankfully like know something about that. Right. Like mm-hmm. I have, I have failures. I have sin. I have shame and regret. And that's actually a tool to show that as so many other people, not to just, you know, beat it down or, or point someone out, but to, mm-hmm. to compassionately, graciously say that, man, I am, I'm worse than you, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm horrible. I'm the worst of the worst. I'm dead in my sin. I have no way of getting out. Uh, and look at my failures, you know, look what mm-hmm. I've done and being honest with that and transparent, vulnerable, like mm-hmm. that is where God shows up, right? Jesus showed up to the worst sure. of the worst all sure. the time. And so I think, um, fighting to continually grow in our relationship right but um that's a huge yeah, testimonies right that's a huge uh, 100%. miracle that god can rescue such broken people 100 percent. and in those deep and in those darkest moments to and you just said sometimes we're the only bibles that people have ever seen mm-hmm. you know so if we're able to come out of those dark moments able to come out of that sin and temptation and people start asking, how did you do that? Like, why, why did you switch? How are you so disciplined now? How do you get into the word every day? How do you, how are you so much nicer to people? how did you stop swearing, you know? And, and in those moments, you will be well equipped to say, Jesus, just Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus over and over and over. And that he is the reason that I've been able to do any of this. You know, he's the reason I've been able to leave that dark and, and sad and scary moment. And Jesus is the one who did that for me, but I need to take the first step to trust him and love him, you know? And so in those moments to be equipped and ready to say, Jesus, it's just so, so huge. I think, especially in today's world. Yeah, no, it's huge. I remember in high school, right. When I um, became a Christian and um, really understood the gospel, I, uh, yeah, I definitely noticed some like for real changes in my life and just the way I was thinking the way um my desires you know changed everything changed um and it's it's pretty unexplainable yeah it's really it's really hard to put into words other than jesus like the holy spirit jesus changes us mm-hmm. um and man yeah there, there's so many um so many times too in my life like so many different seasons i've gone through where um you know i look at my own life and my own heart and i might not be proud of it and i i, I realize like my goodness I need to get back to this or take me backwards to where we were, or, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry for this and that, but it's like, okay, the same way that Jesus saves us 
is the same way we need to continue to, to live this life, right? It doesn't change. It's not just about, um, oh, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make up for my sin by being perfect or by, um, you know, there's no making up for, for what we've done wrong. So I think continuing to go back to, my goodness, it's just all him, right? It's all him. There's no mm-hmm. super Christians. There's no super people, exactly. people making their way. Um, it's all Jesus. And so I think, yeah, keeping that perspective um, in the good and the bad, right? When we're doing well, when we're failing um, is huge. Yeah. Bro. And Jesus leaves the 99 for the one mm-hmm. who is me, mm-hmm. you know? And that makes me think about, do, do you remember when we went, went to that church in yes. Charlotte yes. And yes. <laughs> on the way back, we just played reckless love and we yes, were bro. screaming it. Like, in the car, like, like, repeat. like, like we didn't even like, let it finish, and we were coming back. Yeah, we were car. going back before it even finished. <laughs> we must have, and Charlotte was what an hour and a half away from Spartanburg, yeah. and we played it oh, every yeah. single moment of that trip. And now <laughs> that song, just to put it on, immediately takes you back to that moment. Immediately puts yeah. you back on fire from that <laughs> moment, bro. And just having those little moments, but really thinking mm-hmm. about those words and how Jesus leaves the ninety nine for me, and and no matter what I've done. No matter how wow. far I've strayed away, Jesus yeah. will continually leave the 99 for me, bro. And, and that moment is just something I'll never forget. And it, it's just awesome to think about how it applies to me. Still, even today, what, four years later? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, dude. Jesus leaving the 99 is amazing. Like, the fact that, um, yeah, it like... That he's just like he he's just gonna do that. He's gonna abandon ninety nine mm-hmm. to go rescue the one. That everyone will look at that and be like, dude, it's one. You have ninety nine right here. Like, why do you care? But that's how much he loves us. And I think, gosh, so many times in my life, especially over this last year, year and a half, like, oh my gosh, how how faithful I'm blown away by how faithful he can be to mm-hmm. come back and pull me back in and rescue me from my sin and, and darkness and. Um, just it's really crazy how like he really doesn't let go even like Mm -hmm. we totally deserve to be to be let go on our own and just be the one who strays and he's like yep you deserve it like he just he just doesn't let go he just he instead he comes after us (laughs) which is crazy it's crazy bro and to see that personally yeah mm -hmm. and to see what god's doing in your life is just such a constant reminder of his love for us and how he continually leaves the 99 to love us. And the biggest way that I've been able to, to reconcile that and notice that is through journaling, which is something mm. that we did a ton in, in baseball. You know, we had these mm-hmm, journals, mm-hmm. these composition notebooks that were handed out and we were supposed to write down every single day, like what felt good in our throw, what felt mm. good mentally, what was good because in the moments that we were, were feeling bad or throwing bad to go back to that journal and see when we were feeling good, how do we get back to that? And the same has translated into my everyday life, my faith life. I try to journal every single day so I can journal about the good times, journal about the bad times, journal about what I'm grateful for. And then when I'm really feeling down, I open up the journal, flipping back, flipping back, flipping back to a time I knew I was doing great. What's different about this time than the time I'm going through right now? And it usually is that I'm getting further from Jesus or I'm not leaning into my faith the way I should. And journaling is the only reason I've been able to to notice that and see that. So I, I know mm-hmm. you're a pretty big journaler. Take me through what your journaling looks like 
when did you start and, and how has journaling benefited you? Yeah, I think I started journaling. Um, gotta be pretty heavily, uh, right. Maybe freshman year was when I like really started taking it seriously. I think my mm -hmm. sister actually for my birthday, my sister got me a journal. Um, and I was, I was pumped and she, she, yeah, she, uh, gosh, she's the best. She wrote in there on all these random pages, uh, verses prayers for me, um, has like had artwork in there, uh, drawn and, um, yeah, just like prayers and prophecy and just everything was just incredible. Um, it, it really, that was a huge catalyst for me wanting to start to journal. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's become, uh, like you said, a huge, almost reflection tool to look back and, um, to, to realize where I was, uh, or celebrate the good things that have happened and how God has been so faithful and, um, to see kind of just hilarious, dumb, fun things that I would write mm -hmm. down that, that seemed like there's no meaning there uh, at the time. But then looking back, it's like, oh my goodness, like childlike faith in this moment, just excited about random things and grateful for these things. And it really, it really helps me see uh, kind of just the journey that, that God's taken me on. And yeah, journaling has been huge. I think just to, there's something about writing down prayers. There's something about writing down you know, how we feel and offering that mm -hmm. to the Lord, um, more than just our voices, um, but to be alone and really like write it down. I don't know. There's something about that, um, to, to deep dive into studies, um, with scripture to, you know, point out, um, certain verses and, and stories and to go back and to make connections. It's, it's, it's really easy and helpful to do it on a journal, but, um, yeah, like a few journals in now over the last few years, um, it's crazy and cool to, you know, look back at the struggles I had on this day and I date every one of them. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's a huge tool, um, for sure. What's the biggest advice you'd give to someone who's maybe a little skeptical of journaling or, or can't get into it or, or feels like it's a little girly even? Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not too much work at all. Like it, it's mm -hmm. actually a joy. It's actually a joy to do it. Um, yeah, some of my favorite times are just, you know, when I get along with God and I, I, I journal, write down my thoughts, my feelings, write down what I'm thankful for or what I want to happen. And, um, there's so many times too, that I don't know what it is, but it's about journaling, like mid journal, right? Mid, mid prayer request, mid reflection, mid, you know, insight that I'm seeing or whatever, like I'll just stop and, and um, and reflect and pray and think and read. And it's, um, I don't know, it's so worth it to have that, to look back on. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's as you're doing it, uh, is such a joy. So it's definitely so, so worth it. That's incredible. And the, the big advice that I've seen, and this isn't Christian advice or anything, but president Ronald Reagan was a huge journaler and his diary, mm. especially when he's been in office are New York times bestsellers now. But but in the moment, he, he journaled every single day. And his biggest advice he gave people was, even if you don't feel like it, just write down a couple words. Just stay consistent. Yeah. Just write down a couple words. Get something in your journal to be consistent. And I think that's incredible advice because the more you make something a routine, the more consistent you get in it, the easier it is to keep to keep going back to it and keep repeating it. 
because the journal's not going to do anything if you're not writing in it. Just having yeah, a journal yeah. doesn't bring you any benefit, you know? So like writing <laughs> yeah, anything yeah. in there is going to benefit you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the big thing that I, that I try to do is write down what I'm grateful for every day. Mm-hmm. Annie Mayfield, actually a classmate of ours at Waffer, was mm-hmm. the first person I saw do it. She would just write down 10 things every single morning, every single night that she was grateful yeah. for. And I thought that was so cool. And, and I try to do that now all the time. And, and Jana Marie is someone who does that all the time as well. And she, and she pushes me to, to do that as well, you know, mm-hmm. and that's been awesome. And so just to kind of wrap up here, one thing I'm trying to do with, with every single person I have on as a guest is for them to name three things that they're grateful for right now. Mm. Three things I'm thankful for right now. Um, man, I would say, um, okay. Three things I'm thankful for family and friends. Um, not just because like, you know, the vague way, vague way of saying that to, you know, oh yeah, I have these people in my life, but like Mm -hmm. legit the family and the friends that I have, um, are the most incredible people God made like, oh my gosh, like so supportive, so loving, so caring, so Mm -hmm. encouraging, um, just, just, uh, yeah, family and friends. Um, okay. I'll try to go quick. Family and friends. That's one. That's um, one. That's not two. That's one. That's one. And then um, I would say for um, kind of to go along the lines of our discussion here, just the adversity, the tough times, the failures, Mm -hmm. uh, the setbacks that I've had um, to go through that I think have helped me um, really see, have a a good, clear perspective um, and a growing perspective on what really matters in life, Uh, that being Jesus, that being um, our faith and our knowing him and, and walking with him. And um, so I'd say the failures and setbacks, um, that's two. And then three, what am I really, really thankful for? Um, I would say, I would say just to be where I'm at right now, to be, be where I'm at right now. Um, not only just to be, you know, fulfilling my dream, playing professional basketball, but um, to it, for it to be in this specific place, this specific team, Mm-hmm. Um, this specific time, um, I'm thankful that I'm really realizing um, that this is, you know, where I'm supposed to be, you know, that there's a plan for this and that um, I'm supposed to be right here where my feet are and to be present. So I would say thankful for the here and now. I love it. I love it, bro. And and I think one thing you've always done well is is to realize how blessed you are and who who's blessing you. And, and this mm. has been such a good time catching up with you just hanging out. The the other thing I like to do is just end in prayer. So is there anything that you want prayers for need prayers for that I can, I can pray for you about right now? Oh yeah, dude. I think, um, you know, coming off a bad game and just going through this, this new transition over here playing, Mm -hmm. um, I would say, yeah, to, uh, I guess twofold, but to, to continue to grow and Mm -hmm. see, you know, who I am as a Christian and not a basketball player. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I would, I would, it's weird, separate those two, but combine them at the same time, right? Like I want to mm-hmm. be a Christian on the court, but I, I don't want to, you know, hold too close to basketball, but everything we've explained, but I would say that to, to continue to grow um, and to, uh, yeah, to, to really have my eyes open and see all that God's going to do on and off the court um, here in Germany and, and in our lives. So. Love it. Let's pray, bro. Lord, I ask. Lord, I ask that you bless this moment tonight, Lord. Help, help, these, help these words to go out 
and to spread your gospel, God. Help, help us to just continue to be vessels for your message, Lord. I ask specifically that you, you pray for Storm and, and you guide Storm in his moments on the court. Help him to, to understand that he is a Christian and the son of God before anything else, Lord. Help him to continue to keep his identity in you, Lord. Help him to know that, that above all else, he is the son of yours, Lord. I ask that you help him to continue to enthrall people around him with your love and mercy and faith, Lord. Help him to, to shine the light where the light needs to be shined, Lord. Help him to be that gospel. Help him to be that Bible if people have never seen you before, God. I ask that you just continue to guide, bless, protect him, and keep him safe in Germany, Lord. I thank you for this friendship, Lord. I thank you for this brother in Christ, and I, and I just thank you for this moment. I ask this all in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. My guy, I, I love this. I love catching <laughs> up with you. You are such a huge, huge blessing <laughs> in my life, and you always have been. And I'm just super thankful, bro. Love you, bro. I Same love you, here, man. I'm I'm so thankful for you. That's that's my that was my zero. That was my number one, actually. <laughs> but um, so thankful for you, bro. Appreciate you, my guy. I love, it, bro. I appreciate it. Yes, sir.